prayer. A continuation of our sermon series on practices we do as Christians and as the church. And as always, my pictures are AI generated. I just want to make an observation to start with. When, when I see people pray, when I pray myself, there are heaps of things that are prayed about. But there tend to be a few themes that really emerge as common themes of prayer. And there are two particularly common themes that you see all the time in prayer. First one is people pray words of thanks and gratitude to God. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day. Thank you for this blessing you've given me, God. Thank you for who you are. And that's beautiful, beautiful that we thank God. He is, after all, the creator. Made everything. He sustains our lives. He brings us back to life. So it's great that we have these words of thanks and gratitude. And then the second theme that seems to emerge with prayer is requests for things. Things may be particularly common, good health. We pray for health all the time, don't we? We pray for illnesses to go. We pray, of course, for good fortune in, in whatever's coming up in our lives. And we pray for our job, for our finances. There's a lot of prayer for things, asking God for things, requests. And that's okay. You know, the word pray itself is from a Middle English word, I think, that means to ask for. So that's part of prayer. Now, moving off prayer a bit, I want to tell you about a, a colleague of mine. It's not a Gold Coast colleague, so it's no one that, um, that anyone's going to know. It's from another era. And this colleague of mine is so friendly. He would frequently say thank you to people. In meetings, he was very flowery in his words. He would be so grateful. He would show his gratitude and clearly articulate his gratitude to everyone around. And it would make people feel good. Very flowery, very passionate words of gratitude. And that was, that was my friend, my colleague. On the other hand, when he wanted things to be done his way, but I didn't agree or someone else didn't agree, a totally different side would emerge. Tension would rise. You could, you could cut the air with tension. You could feel it. You know what it's like when, when the tension rises in a room and this man would become louder and more insistent that you agree with him, trying to railroad his viewpoint, what he wants to get things done his way. And I just want to ask this question for each of us, just to talk about in our own heads silently. Do I sometimes pray like that? Now, I'm not throwing any stones. I'm in this glass house as well. I do sometimes pray like that. But when I pray like that, I know that's not real gratitude that I've just prayed. I've thanked God and then I've expected him to do my will. That's not real prayer. That's not good prayer, is it? Which, of course, raises the question, what is true and good prayer? If that's not good prayer, what is good prayer? Do I find it makes a lot of sense to me, prayer? That doesn't really. Do any of us find that prayer comes naturally? Is anyone here who finds prayer makes perfect sense? They've got it. They understand it. It comes naturally. It's easy. And they just know how to pray. Is there anyone that fits that criteria in this room? (laughs) <laughs> of course, Tim. <laughs> All right, so I'm pretty sure none of us do. So questions uh, for, for discussion now, not for reflection in your head. What questions do you have about prayer? 
And they can be questions you've thought about long and hard and have some answers to, or they can be questions that just come to you now. If you were going to ask questions about prayer, what questions would you ask? And I'll bring you the microphone so that we record your questions. I always have the question of, how do I know if the voice I hear in my head sometimes is God's voice or my own head? I've definitely had that question before. Yep, same, I feel the same. Brad? What are the limits of continuously? What are the limits of continuously? Oh, very good question. Yes, very profound. What does it mean? Do we pray every second of every day and how do we do that? Yep. Um, There's some verses in the Bible about uh, God not listening to you. It's like, for example, you know, if I cherish iniquity in my heart, then God would not have heard my prayer. And so I guess my question is uh, always, is God listening right now or is he saying, no, you have to do this first? Excellent question. Yep, Mabel. If we're praying the same thing all the time, are we babbling like the Pharisees? Fantastic question. Are we babbling like Pharisees when we just keep praying the same thing again and again? Uh what, how we define prayer, does prayer always begin with dear God and finish with amen? Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. When is it prayer? When is it not? So, excellent questions. Any other ones to take to the record? The, hang on, the, the, 30, the 22nd prayer, sometimes when you, something happens and you just do that, oh, thank you God for doing that, I didn't expect it. And it can be all the more profound, extended prayer where it's, you're really lamenting about something in particular. It's interesting, isn't it? There are, two, there are those long prayers and there are short prayers. And actually, Jesus talked about both prayers. The, the prayer of uh, the sinner, thank God, help me a sinner. Or what are the words he said? Forgive me a sinner, the tax collector. And then you'd see Jesus go off and pray for hours. So they're both valid prayers, aren't they? What about if Jesus was here right now and you got to ask him one question about prayer? What's the most important question you have about prayer? You may not, one may not spring to mind, but does one spring to mind? Is there one which is you, you just want to ask God that one question? Interesting thought experiment, isn't it? The disciples, of course, had the opportunity to ask Jesus a question about prayer. Well, they had lots of opportunities, but they had a chance to ask him this one particular question in Luke 11. Jesus was in a certain place praying and he finished and the disciples came to him and they had a question. Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Their question was really simple. How do I pray? And then Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. And he he prayed the Lord's Prayer. A prayer that he'd also taught earlier in the book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. So let's read the Sermon on the Mount. Who's going to read today's Bible reading? I was hoping you'd say yes. (laughs) Matthew 6, 5 and 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is that this, that, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, 
shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, uh, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not lead us in do not yield let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thanks, Andrew. And so that's how Jesus ends his teaching on prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. That little section encapsulates his key teachings on prayer. And when Jesus says something, we should listen to him. He is the best teacher. He's our God. We can learn so much from him. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what Jesus just said and think about it a little bit more. So the first thing which I think is really interesting is the very first thing Jesus talks about with prayer is that there's a reward that happens with prayer. And the reward comes regardless of how we pray. It's just that the reward's a bit different. For example, he said, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray where everyone can see them. That is their reward. There's a reward of praying in front of people for show. Instead, when you pray, pray to your Father in private and he will reward you. So I hadn't really thought about that much, but there's a reward that comes with prayer. And the reward is ours to choose. What reward do you want to choose? We can stand up in front of people, say amazing prayers in Christian circles. We can look good. We can do it to look good. We get a reward then. Is that the reward that you want when you pray? Or we can pray in a way that connects us with God, where he sees us, and he rewards us. Surely that's the reward you want when you pray. So prayer, it's not about how we look to others. We shouldn't be self-conscious, but we shouldn't be doing it to be seen by others. It's not about looking good for others. It's actually about connecting with God. That's the deepest reward we can possibly have. So God rewards us in prayer, which is great. Rewards are great, aren't they? But what's the reward we're actually seeking? I was thinking about rewards and and the stories I loved as a kid about rewards. And I remember this story of the genie in the bottle or or the, the teapot. You rub the teapot and out comes the genie. I had it on, on audio tape. Um, you don't remember those younger people? <laughs> you have one on record. There you go. Um, but it was an awesome story. The, the, the fisherman found this, this, this uh, uh, lamp and he rubbed it clean and out came a genie and he got three wishes. 
I loved genie stories, and kids love stories of genies because of the way they can give us whatever we want, the magical nature of it. You know what? Adults love stories about genies too. Have you seen this book before? The Law of Attraction. I remember seeing it about 15, 20 years ago in, a, in a Walmart in the US and uh, thinking, this is weird. Then I came back to Australia and it was in all the Kmarts as well. This, this amazing Law of Attraction where if you want to, say, a Ferrari... You just got to think long and hard about a Ferrari, and eventually you'll get a Ferrari. <laughs> It'll just appear at your door. That's the law of attraction because the universe is listening to what you want and it gives you what you want. Has anyone read that book or heard about this law of attraction? Yep. Adults love stories of genies too, don't we? We just want to. We want what we want. Um, prayer. Prayer is about our needs. But it's not a magic formula like this. So we, we want a magic formula that will just give us what we want when we want it. That's the way we think as humans. It's part of our, I guess, part of our human nature, our fallen human nature. And prayer is about need, but it's not a magic formula. And Jesus made that perfectly clear when he said, When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. We're not going to be able to magically get God to give us what we want, but he knows what we need anyway. But notice, our father knows what we need. Prayer is about what we need. It's not about what we think we need. It's not about what we tell God we need. And it's certainly not about what we want. Prayer's about what we need. And God already knows that. But prayer's not just about our physical needs. Of course, there are many physical needs we've got. Give us today our daily bread. But prayer's not just about our physical needs. Prayer's ultimately about something much, much more important, much deeper. It's about our spiritual needs. And our greatest spiritual need is actually closely tied with forgiveness. That's what we all need more than anything else in this life. We need forgiveness. It's not just about us receiving forgiveness, though. It's about also forgiving. Prayer is about forgiving others. Now, that's something which is incredibly hard. There's not many times in my life I've had to forgive in a really hard setting. But forgiving someone who's truly wronged us is actually one of the hardest things anyone can do. It's just not in our nature to want to forgive. Do you remember, was it last year or earlier this year, um, there was that car accident down in Sydney and, and uh, I think, I might be wrong, but I think the person who had the car accident was, on, was drunk or on drugs and he killed the children of this, of this family or a number of them, three or four of them. Three children. And a cousin. Incredibly traumatic event. Can you imagine if that happened to you? How could you possibly forgive the driver? Forgiveness is hard. I, I remember this particularly because the dad came out publicly and said he forgives the driver. And that was part of his Christian faith needing to forgive. And I thought to myself, I don't know how I'd manage that. 
Yeah, that was me. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things we can do when someone has truly wronged us. Yet, Jesus expects it. He requires it of us. He requires us to pray for it. If you forgive those who sin against your heavenly Father, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive, your Father will not forgive your sins. Some of the hardest words in the whole Bible. I guess the reason Jesus expects it from us, though, is because prayer is not just about us talking to God. It's something much deeper. It's about us inviting God into our lives, into our hearts. It's about inviting God to transform our hearts in a way that we become people of forgiveness. That's God's nature. Remember, God said, Jesus asked us to pray for your kingdom come, your will be done. God's nature is forgiveness. And prayer is about us inviting God to transform us into people of forgiveness. And that's people who have received forgiveness, partly, because we need to receive forgiveness to come into the presence of a holy God. We can't come to God unless we are cleaned of our sin. And so part of prayer is about God transforming our hearts to be forgiven hearts. But it's also about reflecting God's character, about transforming us to be able to reflect God's character of forgiveness and be people who forgive like God forgives. And so that's how Jesus finishes his teaching on prayer. He finishes perhaps on the hardest part of prayer, that it's actually about transforming us to be able to forgive. So let's go back to where, where we began. This is the answer Jesus gave to his disciples about prayer. So I'm going to play that video clip to remind us of the words of Jesus about how we pray. So if you want God's kingdom to come and you want to be his disciple, we've got to look to Jesus and learn how to pray. And so that's what we're going to finish doing now. I've got pens here and paper that Malcolm kindly got ready for me. Do you want to pass these around? Do you want to pass pens around? Thanks. So I want everyone to find a solitary place. It can either be here in the chapel. Uh, I'll put some background music on in here. Or out there in the hall if you want more silence. And think about what Jesus said about prayer. If you want to look again, it's in Matthew 6. And then write down a prayer, a prepared prayer. Whatever you think is a good prayer for today for you. And be prepared if you want. You don't need to, obviously, but be prepared to share it out loud because we're going to come back and pray our prayers out loud for those who want to pray out loud. All right, so let's meet again in 10 minutes for communal prayer.